This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude, or you even maybe came up with it on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime. Or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean. I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never, ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have Eric Payne from the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide podcast talking to us about how to get through divorce, but not just how to get through it, how to get through it well, and how to date when you're ready. So we have lots of awesome information that I think is going to be really helpful for you on your journey that can be scary. Eric makes it a lot less scary. So keep listening. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Women podcast, one of your favorite podcasts where you get such great dating advice. I'm your host, Kristen Carney, and Marnie today is getting some LASIK eye surgery done. So I didn't know she couldn't see, but apparently that must be why she thought I was pretty for so long. But uh, anyway, today we have an amazing guest joining us who is going to talk about something that we really haven't talked too much about. We have Eric Payne joining us, and hopefully he doesn't live up to his last name, (laughs) but (laughs) he has an amazing podcast called The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. It chronicles his journey out of love and back with a refreshing sense of humor and fearless transparency. So I know you guys love honesty, so you should love his podcast. And that's what we're going to talk about mostly today. And I know there's a lot of you that listen that are divorced, going through separations, etc. And then you come to Marnie and you come to me and you're like, what do I do? So today we're going to cover all of that. So you maybe don't need to come to Marnie and I this time around. So Eric, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You almost traumatized me, teasing me about my last name. That brought me back <laughs> to the kindergarten playground. But Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's a tough one, you know, but actually you could use that to your advantage. If you're a little kid, you're like, I'm a 
tough guy. I'll cause you pain. Right. I'll bring the you pain. Know. Yeah. I'll bring the pain. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I predated House of Pain coming out. So, you know, uh, I, <laughs> by well, the time I, by the time that happened, I was already grown. So <laughs> I would have never guessed. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this dating after divorce stuff. And I am not experienced in it as I have never been married. So I'm going to let you take it away. And then I'm going to jump in with some questions. But I'd love for you to start. Sure. There's been a lot of conversation around dating after divorce. I mean, particularly now that it's the beginning of the new year, right? New year, new me. Who am I going to be in 2022 versus 2021, which was, I don't know, what, four weeks ago? I think you should have started that process four or five weeks ago versus like deciding now. But, you know, I get it. I get it. I think the first thing that you need to do is ask yourself why, right? Why do you want to date? What's the why? You know, and I think once you delve into the why, you're able to then explore if you're even ready. Because I think for me, one of the main things that I went through is upon getting divorced in 2015, I wanted to get back out there and show my ex and show the world because I was the divorcery. <laughs> so I did not want it. And so I was the one that was experiencing the rejection. So as a result, I felt like I had something to prove and I have two kids and I wanted to show my kids that I could be functional and I could bounce back and I wasn't going to be one of these like broke dads in a one bedroom apartment trying to get it together, bitter and all the rest of that. But, you know, like I was having a lot of catastrophic experiences, right? Because I just wasn't ready. I was in pain. I was harboring resentment, blah, blah, blah. People ask, how did you know? I mean, other than the divine, and I definitely am not going to turn this into a sermon, but other than the divine, something came over me to, to kind of like chill out and start working on me. I mean, definitely misfires away. I'm not going to even along the way, I'm not going to act like I was a monk or something like that along the way. I did go on a few dates, but for the most part, I was not that guy minus the car that went out, got the girl and dyed my hair blonde. I don't have any hair to begin with put in an earring <laughs> and then, you know, I'm on the beach, you know, with my belly out. That wasn't my story. <laughs> well, so when you were saying you have to ask yourself why, what I thought you were first going to say was, why did I get divorced in the first place? But you went with the why do I want to date, which of course is really important in dating for the right reasons. And I don't want to get like too weirdly personal and ask you, why did you get divorced? But is that a first step in the process as well? Like what went wrong and what can I do in the future to make sure it doesn't happen again? Or does that feel too self-blamey? Like, Not at all. I think that's a perfect question. So I think that in many instances, why is an unanswerable question, right? From my own personal experience. I had been with my ex-wife. We met, I was 28, she was 24, and I got divorced at 43, I think. So, you know, and we weren't married that entire time. We dated for seven and a half, married seven and a half. So it was a 15-year relationship. And then we split. And I think we grew apart. She had different goals, different agendas. And I, when I say agenda, I'm not saying that pejoratively. I mean, she just changed her mind. And as hard as it was for me to accept that. And it was extremely hard to the point that I probably made the divorce a lot worse than it should have been. But I had to ultimately accept it. So 
I personally focus less on that. Why? Because it's more about acceptance. I think I spent initially a lot of time asking why and wondering what I could have done differently and actually putting a lot of blame on myself in order to control why it happened. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because you can self-shame yourself in an effort to have control over something that you have no control over. So I actually made my shame and my guilt and all the rest of that, that that gave me control over the situation. When in fact, in retrospect, I'm not going to say I didn't do anything wrong. I think, you know, it's just a situation where two people grew apart, maybe weren't speaking the same love languages and one wanted different things, but none of that was being communicated. There were no temperature checks. There were no check-ins. So I was in one corner of the room She was in the other. And sometimes in relationships, you can live and work around each other without ever crossing paths. And I think that's what happened. Right. So looking back on it, there is that aspect of, well, we didn't communicate. So next time around, I'll know to communicate better. So that's obviously one lesson learned. So I want to go back to what you were saying about when you know you're ready to start dating. So you jumped in, like I can relate to to an extent. I did have an eight-year relationship and it was obviously never a marriage. But when I started dating after eight years, it was more like all this pent-up energy that I hadn't gotten to meet people and I hadn't gotten to kind of go out and have fun and live life. And so I started dating. I don't think it was necessarily with the wrong intent, but it was it was in my mind, my time to just be free and to be kind of like a little bit of a hoe and just get that out of my system. And And then that comes to maybe a crash, which I'm assuming could happen for some men. You get out of your relationship and now all of a sudden you're free. And it's like every women are at your fingertips because of dating apps and you're feeling this new sense of confidence. But then all of a sudden, does it seem to slow down? So when you started dating again, did you hit the point where you slowed down because you realized what you had been doing wasn't really feasible for the long term? So the reason for me taking my 18 months off, if you will, was so that I would never show up in a situation the way I did in my marriage again, which was codependent. I'm a recovering people pleaser, kind of like a recovering alcoholic. It never goes away. You just kind of like have to recognize it and stop it before it starts. So I wanted to be my own man, if you will. And I kind of discovered it on accident. You know, I started working out and going to art galleries and stuff like that. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a lot of those here. You could pick up the sculptures there because you got so strong at the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Just showing off. But what happened was these guys, I mean, whether they were married or whether they just had their own program or they just, whatever the situation was, they bailed on me, right? So I kind of decided like, well, I'm going to go to the gym anyway. Well, I'm going to go out anyway. I'm going to hang out anyway. So I started to circulate around town by myself, which in and of itself made me an oddity and made me start standing out. Because why is this guy eating at a restaurant by himself? Why is this guy sitting at a bar by himself? Right. Is he a single guy or is he a murderer? Right, 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 right. <laughs> One or the other. So I kind of evolved into this 
person who knows no strangers. I don't know if it's an energy thing that I give off, but people start making conversation with me. And then I started to recognize that I was decent or maybe I forgot. Let me not say recognize, but, you know, I started making conversation with complete strangers and getting to know people. And to your point, you know, started to kind of spread myself a little thin, you know, and (laughs) I think it goes in ebbs and flows where you're kind of into it and you're like, yeah, I'm hot to trot and, you know, I'm all this in a bag of chips. And then other times you're like, eh, I'd just rather stay home. You know what I mean? But I think, I think that 18 months to myself taught me how to be by myself, taught me how to, if you will, date myself. So when I do hit those low cycles, I'm not pressed because I have me, you know, and I think that, you know, for anyone, you have to have yourself first. Because that way, yeah, because that way, you know, because I have me, because I love me now, I know when someone isn't showing up that way. Now, mind you, I had to have a friend tell me a couple of years older than me. I have a tribe, if you will, of like peers and elders that, you know, kind of speak truth and fact to me. But my initial dating was every time I met that person, met a person, it was like, well, you know, this, 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 this along the line of whether they were going to be marriage material. And finally, a friend of mine, a coworker, she sat me down and she said, hey, you know, you went through a thing. You don't have to jump right back into it. Like, have fun, get to know people. But, you know, a date is just a date. It's not like a precursor for marriage. It's not a qualifier for marriage. You could just have a good time. Now, mind you, she came back to me about a year later and said, yeah, that's not what I meant when I said have fun. (laughs) 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 you you took that ball and ran too far with it but you know but her intention her intention in telling me that was was pure so yeah yeah well so then what happens when you have children like you mentioned you have kids and so how did you manage that aspect so I don't know what I want to get to eventually like what your status is at the moment if you're seeing someone if you're single etc but when it came to dating, one, did you tell your kids? How old were your kids? And how did you introduce your children to perhaps new people? And then the most important question, I think, is how did you tell the women that you were seeing about your children? So I kind of exist in this strange space as a father. So my ex had a five-year-old. And when I met her, she had a five-year-old. So Over time, I adopted him as my own. So he's grown. And when we were divorced, he was in college and my youngest was nine. They're exactly 10 years apart. So the space that I exist in now is that my son and his friends think I'm the coolest dad ever. And my daughter, who's now 16, thinks I'm ridiculous. She hates the way I dress. She thinks I'm just doing the most. I mean, she doesn't hate it. Like, you know, so for my son, I'm a cool dad. For my daughter, she's like, why are you dressing like that? Like, come on. Like, can't you just dress like a regular old person? <laughs> oh, you're too hip for her, basically. Right, right, is what, right, oh, my right, God. Right, <laughs> That's right, a good right. thing. Yeah, Being yeah. So is, she gives yeah. me a hard time. She's always rolling her eyes. Or if somebody says something, like one time we were flying somewhere and the stewardess said, you know, I want all the, all the good looking guys in the, you know, Southwest, you know, where you can pick where you sit. She's like, oh, I want all the good looking guys in the back. You, you especially, you come back here. And my daughter was like, why do people think you look good? Oh my God. But you know, it's fine. She keeps me humble. I was very strict about my kids because in the idea that I did, once I decided I didn't know where anything was going. And 
the caveat is that my ex began dating immediately after we got divorced to the point that she may have been dating prior to our divorce, you know what I mean? Or at least set the ball in motion. And my kid, the youngest one, because the other one was out of the house, he was in school. But both of them, technically, they were exposed to that. That wasn't my jam, you know what I mean? Because in the idea that you don't know how things are going to pan out, I'm not trying to expose Dating is, you know, people's catchphrase from Clubhouse, dating is gathering data, but dating is dysfunctional, you know what I mean? Because, and primarily because you're learning about yourself and you're picking and your decision making and so on and so forth. I wasn't trying to bring my kids into any of that. So I only went out on dates when I didn't have her or when he was out of town or something like that. And I, and I didn't care. Interestingly enough, the type of dad that I am, I guess, or maybe I've just dated several daddy's girls or something like that, but they liked the fact that I was a dad. You know, they appreciated it. And I guess because I'm a dad of a daughter and I dote on her, I don't, not to the point where she's the boss, but you know, I just, I love my daughter and I speak very highly of her and I want the world for her and whatever. And I don't hold back on showering my appreciation and affection on her. So it's actually been a point of, man, you know, the thing that I like about you is that you're a good dad or you remind me of my dad, blah, blah, blah. And then as far as the kids go, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell my daughter at all. It was none of her business, honestly. I mean, and it, it wasn't going to impact or not impact her one way or another until something became serious. But honestly, I spent a lot of time as a king of first dates. So it definitely did not, it definitely did not matter. And my son, I think my son kind of like had an inkling, but no one ever saw slash sees me with anybody, you know what I mean? So it kind of conjures up, it's like this double-edged thing where, well, is he seeing anyone or like how many people is he seeing? Because yeah, he's right. always he's by himself. Something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. So I take it then right now you're not seeing anyone consistently. Well, someone has begun to materialize. You know, I try to, you know, and no disrespect to her at all. I mean, we've had this conversation. Like when I was in college, I was, I was in a fraternity, right? Well, I'm still in a fraternity. And one of my fraternity brothers said, the way to get people to the parties is to always appear single. So they always come, right? So for the sake of the brand, the podcast, <laughs> I try to remain you know, an enigma so that once you're kind of like off the market, everyone's like, oh, and then they go on to the next thing. But no, I mean, I, there is someone in my life, actually. Yeah. 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 But then you get the respect of like, oh, you're telling me how to date and you don't have <laughs> right, a date. Right, so, right. you know. Yeah. It's funny because I meet up with some of my buddies from college that are now down here and they tease me about my podcast because they're all married and let's say someone comes into a room or something and they'll say, wow, they're going all, and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm not here for your entertainment. Like I'm here hanging out with you guys. Then they'll, they'll say something to the effect, like one of the guys is beginning to go through a situation where he might be splitting with his wife. So he was asking me about my podcast. And one of the other guys who's a regular listener was like, oh, well, Eric's podcast is more about what not to do. Now what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but so many guys need to know not what to do. Right. True, true. Because they think what they're doing is right. And they need to be told, no, that's, it's like a guy who doesn't have style. He thinks he might have style and he's wearing, he's like overdoing it and wearing a million pieces of jewelry. And, and he thinks that's right. So he keeps doing it. And you need to have someone to say like, you need to not do that. Yeah. 
So it's good to have someone there to do that because I think guys and women, of course, but like when you don't have a mirror, you can become a little bit of a runaway train and then that runaway train can turn into a train wreck a little bit. So yeah, you need somebody to kind of say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But I want to talk to you more about what you had mentioned earlier, which was you can start a conversation with anybody and you know no strangers kind of thing. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how to talk. So stay tuned. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. And we are back and we are talking right now. So we're showing talking is not that difficult, but a lot of guys find it difficult, especially if they're single, if they're going out on their own, they're afraid to approach. They're afraid to sound stupid. They don't know who to talk to. You kind of made it sound like people approach you, but I would love to hear how do you talk to people as a single guy when you're out alone? And that's such an issue for so many, so many guys. So first of all, and I've said this before, I'll say this to the women listening, right? Do not take it personal when a guy does not approach you because the amount of stress that a, I'd say a non 
Lothario type of guy goes through to approach a woman is the same as giving a public speech, <laughs> giving a public right. speech. Yeah. Like, right. In front of a thousand people. Right. Right. It's like real panic and real fear. You are afraid. So, what's the one thing that we all avoid in this life as much? I mean, we're literally biologically designed to avoid pain. So, we will do. Not Eric Payne. Not Eric Payne. Well, hopefully. <laughs> not, not, oh, the everybody other doesn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other kind of pain. No, but I mean, we're genetically predisposed to avoid pain. And, you know, there is a flight mechanism that's real. There's the sweating of the palms, the pits, the whole nine. What will happen if she says no? So, what I kind of discovered along the way, and this is as a result of dating, I had one of the people that I told you that an older person who, guy told me he's divorced as well. He said, look, dating is a numbers game. You got to date, you got to date. And I was like, oh, that's, this is back when I was a little bit more self-righteous, right? And I would say, no, I don't, I don't think that that is proper or appropriate when I was waiting dating as being way more than what it actually is, right? But what happens is you do learn how people communicate, what people's styles are, that kind of thing. So for me, you have to realize that you're the prize, not the other way around. That person, I'm sure, is a prize. I mean, but I don't know them. You know what I mean? Like, I go into the room knowing that I'm a person of value. I think the stress comes when you see someone that you like and then you automatically make them better than you or you put them up on a pedestal or you start imagining scenarios because men are visual creatures. You start creating scenarios. Oh my gosh, she's so attractive. I mean, we could go away. We could be on the beach. Like, you will Think of a thousand things all at once and not even realize that you're thinking them. And behind that is, what if she says no? Well, if she says no, then she's not for you. And that's a blessing. So there's no fear for me at this point in getting rejected because the rejection just means that I've been spared something. Or more importantly, they've been spared something from me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I've had people ask me, they're like, well, how do you bounce back when things don't go well? I'm like, it takes about 24 hours. I mean, I am human. It smarts for about a day, but I move on because one of the things that I learned in my marriage was that my ex just didn't want to do it anymore, right? At the beginning, I said I made things a lot worse than they needed to be because I couldn't understand why. And in not understanding why, I was imposing my will on the entire situation. And you can't make someone do anything that they don't want to do. And if they do, you don't even want to be in that space with that person. I mean, it will literally kill you, like shorten your life, stress you out, give you ulcers, like lose your hair. I mean, you know, whatever this happened anyway. Well, I cut my hair. I don't know. But I mean, I am able to approach people and have conversations because I look at it as an opportunity to get to know someone, to learn something new. It's not always about that in-game dating type of thing. For example, I was at an outdoor coffee spot last summer and they were playing, I don't know, Brazilian music or whatever. This woman had a, was sitting by herself at a table that had two chairs. Well, I wanted to sit at the chair. So I said, hey, do you mind if I sit down? And she said, oh, no, no problem. So after sitting there for about 30 minutes, I said, hey, so who are you? You know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> we we're just sitting there in silence. <laughs> yeah. And I think that approach kind of like it caught her off guard, but it made her laugh. And then we wound up talking for the rest of the afternoon. She literally gave me my information. I mean, she gave, gave me my information. She gave me her information. <laughs> I went Stalker. Home. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
She gave me her information. I went home. I told my buddies and they were like, oh, wow. Oh, because she was Brazilian. It wasn't a Brazilian spot, but it was just a Brazilian theme thing, whatever. So, you know, all the lore around that. And I was like, honestly, guys, I think I just had coffee with this lady. And that's all it was. I mean, we kept in touch for a couple of weeks. It was like one of those things where it was like, hey, maybe when the time is right, we can hang out again. It never materialized. And I was fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. So many guys and women, but guys especially put so much pressure on themselves because they feel like they caught one, like almost like a fish. Like I caught a fish. It's on the line. I got to reel it in. I got to reel it in. Even if maybe it's not the fish that you wanted, they still want to reel it in just because they caught one. And so it's doing what you said, which is valuing yourself. And then you have standards. And so you're not just accepting whatever crappy fish comes on the line. You're waiting to catch that yellowfin tuna rather than the little guppies. So it's like when things don't go right, either in trying to start a conversation or getting a second date, they have to realize that they can also throw things back into the water. And like you said, it's a blessing. It probably wasn't going to be the right thing. So, I mean, I had a situation where, I mean, this woman was incredibly attractive and she wasn't even listening to me while I was talking to her. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, (laughs) nice meeting you. You should have started talking about like the weirdest things ever and her still not responding. You know, she's really not listening. Right, 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 right. I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, well, that was rich and I kept going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said a a minute ago about how you were sitting at the table with the Brazilian woman and you guys weren't talking for about 30 minutes. And like, I would have said to her something like, people probably think we're married because we're not talking. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. You know, it's so funny because I remember I'm originally from Chicago, but I moved to New York after college and I met, that's where I met my ex-wife. And I remember we were at this really popular Chinese restaurant, and we were sitting there just guffawing and laughing and almost being disruptive. And there was this couple sitting in the distance, and they weren't saying anything to each other. And she said, You know, we can never be those people. Well, fast forward several years, you know, into a decade or so into the future, and we're literally not saying a word to one another in the same at the table kids there but no one's talking well they are they're like fighting with each other but you know nobody's talking yeah i actually worked with a guy recently who said he's like i'm dating this girl things have been going pretty good we've been seeing each other for about six months but a lot of the times we don't really know what to say to each other and so you know there could be multiple issues but i just thought if you already are out of things to say Imagine five years, 10 years, 20 years, like you're going to not even know that you can speak out loud anymore at that point. So those are obviously red flags to look out for. So what are three things that you could tell guys listening, because mainly men listen to this podcast, what are three things you could tell men who are fresh out of a divorce to do right now? to get on the right path. So first and foremost is like look in the mirror and tell yourself it's going to be all right. Like it may not feel like it and it's fine that it doesn't feel like it and you can't see it, but just promise yourself, promise your future self that it's going to be all right. Like I think my former self often, I am extremely grateful for the idiot that I used to be because 
he had enough foresight to plan for this guy to show up. You know what I mean? So, and honestly, live each day. Do your best to just get through each day. Forget like trying to figure it out. Just try to get through the day and have the best type of possible day possible. If someone's telling you to like sleep with everybody and get back up on your feet and all the rest of that, run. Because that's the advice that pretty much prompted me to be by myself. I mean, I wanted my own power. And I felt like if you get your swagger back by hanging out with all the ladies, well, that's not power. Because as soon as that is removed again, because you mentioned like the down cycle, right? So when you're not dating, you're miserable or everything has to be attached to meeting someone. You go out, hey, Erica, what do you do for fun? I go to art galleries. I cut my grass. I paint. I do whatever. Well, do you meet anybody doing that? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Bugs. There's a lot of those in the grass. <laughs> right, 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 we right. We chat. <laughs> right. Like, don't think that, oh, and then I know this is probably like four. Don't worry about her. Like, seriously, you will drive yourself crazy trying to worry about or control what she's doing. You know, unfortunately, this thing has happened. And if you are somehow able to find a way back to each other, then fine. But if it doesn't look like that's happening, don't try to control what she's doing or be on her social, trying to see who she's talking to or anything like that. You will literally go insane. I'm speaking from experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we all know about that. And it takes a lot of self-discipline, like to just not, it's like you're sitting there and you know you could look, but you know afterward you're going to regret it, but you do it anyway. I'm sure it's a learning process where they'll do it for a while and then finally go, is it worth the pain? It's like cutting myself, you know, do I want to keep cutting myself? My solution to that was I blocked everybody. I blocked her. Unfortunately, based on the way I allowed myself to be interweaved into that situation, I had to get friends afterwards, all of because all of our friends were kind of like her friends or mutual friends. So I blocked her. Then I started seeing her on other people's stuff. So I wound up having to block everybody. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Did so, you send a little message saying like, I don't hate you. I swear. I just. <laughs> it was so funny because, well, what happened was a year later, my daughter had a sleepover at my house and a lot of the moms who are her close friends. This is after I purchased my house because I was living in an apartment. But then when I had my reckoning, I was like, to hell with this. And then I just bought a house, which is where I live now. So anyway, had a sleepover. And I said, okay, I'm at the door. Okay, see you later. Um, you can come by tomorrow, whatever. They're parking their cars. And I'm like, what you parking your car for? And then they're coming to the door because I know them, right? But they hadn't seen me in like a year. And they literally just invited themselves in. Do you have wine? I was like, sure. And they all basically ganged up on me. They were like, the hell? Why did you block us? Why did you like, (laughs) like, I didn't divorce you. You know what I mean? So to your point, I explained like, look, I was just trying to like mitigate my pain. And they said, I get it. But being blocked hurt too. To the point about value that actually let me know that I mattered because you kind of feel in these situations, especially where there's delineations amongst friends and so on and so forth, depending on where you fall out, you can really start feeling like you're a person of no value. Yeah, right. And at this point, it's so important to build up your value because I'm sure divorce can do or wreak havoc on your ego. Ego, self-esteem, 
the first few weeks when I moved into, I moved into a one bedroom immediately after. Well, I was dragged out of miles. So meaning not like literally by the cops, but we got divorced and I just kept coming home after work. That's amazing. Acting like nothing happened. Right, right, right. (laughs) Right. So one day she was like, you gotta go. And I was like, (laughs) go where, you know? So I had to have a couple of well-meaning. So a couple of friends came by and tried to get me out. And it just, I distanced myself from reality, right? Then a fraternity brother who's now a retired police officer and one of my mentors who is an army person, they coincidentally came after all the friend, civilian friends left and they came on a particular day, kind of started talking amongst each other and packed me up and moved me out and ignored me. You know, they ignored all of my resistance and cries. And so that's why I say they pulled me out. (laughs) Yeah. So that's something that I didn't even think to bring up is having your tribe. You did say tribe earlier, but having your people that can be there to drag you out and knock some sense into you because you're going to be so caught up in your emotions and you can't make the right decisions when you're in that altered state. So having people to say like, I almost picture like taking a white, the fancy guy takes his white glove out and just does like a backhand with this glove, (laughs) like a few times back and forth. Yeah. Like snap out of it, man. Right. Having people like that in your circle is really important. So I'm guessing that when you divorce, isolating is obviously not a good idea. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think divorce kind of happens in the first place due to isolation. So you definitely don't need to be isolated afterwards, you know, because one thing I'd also like to say to people listening, you are not alone. Like this is not unique to you. And I'm not saying that to minimize the experience. I'm saying it rather like, You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm the last person in the world and I can't believe that this happened to me. No, you're not. It's happening like over 50% of the time. Right. You know what I mean? Particularly at the beginning of the year, it's happening about 70% of the time. So understand that like, it's not you. It, It isn't you. I mean, even now I'm not absolving anybody for any responsibility for whatever it is that they're going through, but like it's the end of a relationship, but it is not the end of you nor your world, nor your life, nor your relationship with your kids, unless you allow it. Right, right. I know that feeling, you know, from when I got out of my eight-year relationship, it was not supposed to continue. It was definitely a relationship that was supposed to end, but it did feel like the end of the world, you know, because he was my best friend and I didn't really socialize with many other people because I had my best friend. And so all of a sudden it was like, I am alone. And going back to what you said, you have to get comfortable being alone. And once you are comfortable being alone, that will bleed out to women in your stratosphere or women that you're dating. Because when you have that sense of desperation of, oh my God, I can't exist without somebody. People, they can smell, like almost sense like a dog can sniff out that vibe and it's not an attractive energy. So the women will run from you. Yeah, you chase people away. And one of the issues with that I have with the matchmaking community, right, is you can focus so much on want what you want that you inadvertently project what you don't have. You're living in a state of lack. 
I want, I want, I deserve, I want, I want, versus just being present where you are, taking stock and inventory of what you have and existing in that. And like, you know, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But when I just started to do that, you know, today is a good day. Why? Today I'm awesome. Why? Well, you know, it just made me good in the space that I was in. And to your point, people picked up on that energy. Yeah. So would you say that in those 18 months that you just kind of hung with you, that you were able to shed some baggage from your divorce or shed some baggage from your last relationship? Yeah. So, you know, because we always carry that from place to place if we don't do the work. Well, that's one of the other things. I didn't want to carry baggage. I didn't want to bring any of my drama because there was a lot of it. I didn't want to bring any of my drama to anyone else's situation. And I think that 18 months, like I said, I don't want to mystify it in any way, shape or form. Part of that 18 months was me trying to reconcile my situation. You know what I mean? So I wasn't trying to date and reconcile. I was like, let me try and reconcile while it's still hot and fresh. You know what I mean? And then see from there. But over that course of period of time, I just began to recognize that to your point about the relationship ending, like that relationship just was not for me. What I was fighting was God in the universe trying to make it work. And once I recognized it wasn't supposed to work, I mean, literally, I moved from a four bedroom townhome to, or was moved to a one bedroom apartment, right? And then while I was at the apartment, I upgraded to a two bedroom apartment. And the second that I decided that I was over it, I bought a house two weeks later. Like I literally just, you know, this isn't for me. A pastor that I know, so buddy, he used to play football for Oklahoma. He said that we can memorialize a long dead past to be something that it was never was to begin with. And, you know, I think that you look at your past through rose colored glasses. And when you were there, you were literally dying or, you know, struggling so bad. So I just had to let it go and truly walk, not knowing what was coming next. Right. And that creates character. That's a person someone wants to be around. So the last question, going back to your 18 months, I'm kind of hanging on to this 18 months, but why was it 18 months? What happened that you were like, okay, ding, like a toaster oven went off after 18 months and you're like, toast is ready. I'm ready to go out and date. What was it that did it for you? So I think, you know, looking back, I was like, oh, wow, that was 18 months. I didn't plan for it to be 18 months. It was kind of like a, a retrospective. And I was like, wow, that was 18 months. I mean, I think, again, I had run the gamut of strategies to get back with my ex-wife. I had attempted the dating, like, because I did the online dating for a little bit, Bumble, a couple of those things. And I just wasn't ready. Like, I didn't want anybody to touch me. You know what I mean? Because I wanted my ex-wife's touch or whatever, which I I honestly didn't know what that was either because that had stopped happening, right? So so I was just living in a la-la land and, uh, You know, and then I think after those two experiences, I kind of just settled into this routine of being alone. And then one day it was a combination of a a dust up with my ex-wife and me accepting that my apartment was nice and that I enjoyed living there and that my life was nice. And then there was like this random fire alarm like that happened the next day after I had accepted everything was great and it was just some pranksters or whatever, I went 
outside to go for a run to clear my head because this happened at three o'clock in the morning. And I stepped into a container of like chicken wings and fried rice that was sitting out in front of the door. And I was like, So of course you sat down and took out your fork and knife, right? Right, right, right. right. I stepped into it, like walking out the front door. And then I was just like, this isn't for me. I'm done. Like I need to start living the way like I need to live, the way I desire to live. And to keep it short, the beauty of the situation that I was in, which was getting a second chance, is that I now get to decide the type of life that I live. I think when you get married young or, I mean, I'm not even going to say married, but I think when you just kind of do the things that society expects of you, you're on autopilot. And I had been on autopilot. I had done what my parents did. I had done what everybody else around me did. So I was just going with the flow. I was a participant, but I wouldn't call it willing. You know what I mean? Now I get to call my own shots, uh, live the life that I live, design the home that I want to have. And I think, you know, a lot of divorcees, they're like, yeah, you know, I just have all this time. That time is an opportunity for you to build yourself up. And it's hard to do. It's hard to think like that. But when I started realizing I had so much time on my hands, I was like, I can make myself into a superhero if I want to. You know what I mean? (laughs) I could knit my own cape. Right, right. I can get my own cape. I can get my own boots. You know, I worked on not being a people pleaser anymore. And that was tough because the paradigm shift, when I stopped being a people pleaser, I was not coming off nice. You know what I mean? And for the people that had been accustomed to walking all over me, I was giving them quite a bit of consternation because you know, a people pleaser usually gets whipped with guilt and then they come around behind and do anything and everything to seek approval. Hey, I messed up. It is what it is. I said, I was sorry. There's nothing else to talk about. But what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just existing in reality. Right. I'm not going out of my way to beg and beg and beg for your forgiveness when you don't really deserve it. Don't really deserve it. You don't really deserve it. Yeah. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a very lovely and enlightening conversation. Are you on any dating apps now or dating sites now? Nah, I mean, the only... So the woman that you met recently that somewhat has materialized, did she come from the real world or did she come from the internet? So she did come from the digital space, but it wasn't it wasn't like from a dating perspective. We just happened to be interacting on like on a live stream. And interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not a host. She was not a host. We were like literally in the audience, if you will. It was on Clubhouse. So we were in the audience and just kind of struck up a conversation and it kind of evolved from there. And I wasn't surprised, you know, as it began to materialize because it was kind of a reflection of the work that I've been doing on me, you know? And I think that that's the thing, you know, things materialize when they're supposed to, not when you want them to. Exactly. So that's why forcing things is the worst thing you can do because then it almost pushes it in the opposite direction. So it's like you still are active, you know, you're actively pursuing your goals and your life and your dreams. Because you can't just sit alone in your room and expect things to come to you, but you don't do it in a forced nature, expecting certain results. Right. And I think managing your expectations and then understanding that you can't control what anybody else does allows you a freedom 
you'll be free to move about the cabin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy. I'm going to hang in the bathroom the whole time. <laughs> be a rebel, smoke a cig. Right, right, right. right Just right. kidding. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, but <laughs> I swear. Well, so thank you so much for chatting about this. I'm sure it was really helpful for the guys that listen to the show who are going through a divorce or who've been through a divorce. So make sure to check out Eric's podcast, The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide, as well as your website, right? Which is the same name, dot guide. Yeah, datingafterdivorce.guide. Yep. Right, right. Awesome. Technically, that's the only dating app I'm on, my podcast. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there are other ways to meet people on the internet. And I try to tell guys that I work with about going on to things like Clubhouse or like a chat or a, a message board or of things that where you share similar hobbies or interests rather than just sticking to Hinge, Bumble, Tinder, da 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 da, da. So that's super cool that you met through the internet yet not in a dating site. So, yeah, not at all. Not at all. And I mean, I think Instagram, the DMs is what the second or third large, no, not second, but like the third largest messaging platform at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if you start with interest and not send nudes, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read something recently that like guys will get fines if they send dick pics really? unsolicited. Really? Yeah. I don't know if that was like real or if I, you know, you don't know what's real on the internet sometimes right, anymore when right. you're just scrolling through. But yeah. So anyway, I'm going to wrap up the show. So thank you again for joining me here. Our show comes out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't have to download individual episodes and make sure you subscribe to Eric's show as well so you don't have to constantly download. And if you need help with your banter skills, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. I get guys wowing the socks off of ladies, more than just the socks. So hit me up if you need help there. And Marnie will be back with us next week. So thank you again to Eric. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>